This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Previously on Colors. Growing up in D.C. for Wendell Austin wasn't easy. Drug infested neighborhood. When it came to education. I tried to go to high school. He took a few wrong turns. I got punished by the streets. But then he heard basketball player Charles Barkley say something. Uh, He said that I'm not a role model. The parents should be role models. So when I heard that when I was like 12 years old, I I stopped looking up to athletes. I I stopped looking up to my mother more. So he got to it, got trained, spent 10 years learning how to be a butcher, and in 2020, in the middle of a pandemic, opened his own shop in one of the most exclusive areas of D.C., began selling some of the most expensive but delectable food in the city. And not only are people wild about his products, but his story as well. Coming up in this episode of Colors. In 2015, several students from Jeb Stewart High School in Northern Virginia decided to try to change the name of the school. It, it, it got really hateful. It got really ugly. Where, where the, you know, kind of ad hominem attacks and wow. personal attacks, attacks uh, to, to children. After a bitter two and a half year fight, the name of the school was changed to Justice. Debbie Ratliff is one of the parents that was intimately involved in that situation. She admits they made mistakes along the way. Now that the name has been changed, the community is trying to heal. And while fist fights are breaking out at school board meetings in other parts of the country, perhaps there's a lesson here that they can learn. The lesson is that we need to listen to each other and really hear each other and be patient and be respectful to each other. That's coming up in this episode of Colors. Simmering racial tensions. Segregation now and tomorrow and forever. Fighting injustice. I have a dream. Conflict looming. Brutality exposed. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. The search for solutions starts here. From WTOP in Washington, D.C. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. My name is Vanessa Cárdenas, and I am a first-generation American. Um, my family is originally from Bolivia. My name is Susie Askew. I am a Korean-American living in Tacoma, Washington. And my name is J.J. Green, and I'm Black, and this is Colors. In the last year, there's been a lot of activity around the country where people have been changing the names of things, buildings, schools, roads, etc. Right, um, and one of the people that's been heavily involved in an effort in Fairfax County, Virginia, to change the name of a school, it was formerly known as Jeb Stewart High School, now known as Justice High School, is Debbie Ratliff. She is a very interesting woman, very interesting effort that she was involved in, and there are two sides to it. It was successful, but at what cost? Debbie's joining us on this show today to talk about what was won, what was lost, how they got there, and the lessons learned. Debbie, welcome to Colors. 
Thanks, JJ. And thank you for asking me to join you in your podcast. It's it's important work, I think, for everybody to be talking about these issues. So first question, Debbie, I mentioned that this effort to change the name of that high school, which used to be Jeb Stewart High School, started a long time before everyone within the last year got involved in trying to change names of roads, buildings, schools, et cetera, taking down statues, et cetera. When did this effort get underway and why did it get underway? Who kicked it off? Um, Some students from the high school kicked it off in the spring of 2015. Um, It was uh, tragically, the date coincides with the date of the Charleston church murders, uh, which was in June 2015. But this uh, group of um, students, high school students, um, came to the Fairfax branch of the NAACP that spring, earlier that spring of 2015, and um, were asking for guidance and advice and help, saying that the, the school name didn't, didn't seem appropriate to them, didn't fit who, who they, they are, who we are as a community. Um, and that kicked things off. Uh, the NAACP um, responded, met with the, the students, and um, uh, it's a really engaged big branch. Fairfax County is a huge branch. It's a huge county. And um, one of our community members who I later worked very closely with, a man named George Alber, a member of the NAACP, um, was kind of asked to work with the students to help them. You know, every organization has committees and subcommittees, et cetera. So he, he worked closely with them. Okay. So mm-hmm. that, that started in 2015. And when did, right. the, when did the name actually effectively get changed? We had a a wonderful uh, rededication ceremony in the fall of 2018. So the school opened, I think it was the beginning of the fiscal year. Uh, So as of July 2018, the the new name was in place. Um, But it was a a long, when I I remember it in my memory, I think of it as being three and a half years, but it was two and a half. Mm -hmm. It just seems like longer. It was a lot of work. Well, you know, looking at some of the information related to this, I'm assuming that a part of the reason why it seemed like it was so long is because this wasn't just a a, a slam dunk. This wasn't just an easy thing to do. There were a lot Mm -hmm. of problems, correct? There were. I mean, it... um, everything is about process, right? Uh, And so we, I think the county did a good job making sure that we were following a process and the process was transparent. Uh, The county was in a school superintendent transition at the time, leadership transition, which, you know, created some hiccups and road bumps along the way, Uh, but it was hard. It was really hard. The the process was set up to, to frame it and make sure things were fair and transparent, which is important. Um, but it was arduous, JJ. It was it was a lot of work. I learned a lot in the process about history of this country, about Civil War history, about Jim Crow, about voting rights. Um, I learned a ton and um, I became really close with a lot of people I would otherwise never have met it right in my own community. OK, and listening to you talk about this. It seems to me that there was there was some significant opposition is what I'm hearing you say. And mm-hmm. I wonder if you would characterize that opposition. Um, you know, when when I think about this and I've said this a lot to, to friends and, and, you know, anyone who will listen to me, um, it's it's like we're all kind of reading from the same script, both people who are in favor of, of, you know, changing names and and refocusing who we honor in this country and those who oppose it. 
um, the opposition we faced from our neighbors in um, in Falls Church is the same opposition that people are facing today and that people faced before us. You know, our fight starting the you know led by the students starting in 2015 is not the first. Other school names were changed long before we started our fight in 2015. Um, and took a lot longer in some cases. Mm -hmm. um, but we, I mean, we were, it, it, it got really hateful. It got really ugly. We're, we're the, you know, kind of ad hominem attacks and wow. personal attacks, attacks uh, to, to children who were, you know, the students who were testifying at school board meetings and afraid to testify. And, um, you know, it, it, it got really ugly. I mean, I received emails from people um, insulting me, <laughs> you know, wow. and, uh, you just don't expect another adult in your community to to behave with such a degree of disrespect, to not be able to have a rational conversation. And, and that's what I kept trying to do is just let's just speak rationally. Let's try to listen to each other. Let's try to hear each other. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, in I don't, you, you tend to only remember the positive as I've been reflecting on this and reflecting on you know our conversation um, to prepare for today. I've been thinking, and OK, well. As humans, I think we tend to remember the positive. We remember our positive experiences and we the, the negative tends to fade away. It really does. Um, and I think that we can apply that to, you know, in a, in a micro and in a macro, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so it, I don't really dwell on the negative that much. All right. You know, thinking about it for today, it's 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 not not too easy, you know, honestly, to remember how how mean people were and how ugly things got. Well, clearly you remember it enough to remember that, you know, it was mean and it's, it's stuck there, um, clearly, and that, mm -hmm. you know, children were attacked. And, you know, that is a really unfortunate situation that anyone would be attacked, but children is they, they are off limits. They should be. And it, it's just unacceptable. Um, adults can, can, can have our moments where we do stupid things because we do it all the time, but you cannot do that to children. One thing that I would like to ask, though, um, before we proceed further into this process is, you know, there have been some situations around the country where schools and people involved in school issues, you know, you talk about that being hateful and ugly. Um, it seems to me, though, it still was better than what was taking place, what we've seen in places like Florida recently. For sure. For sure. We, you know, in, in Fairfax County, we, um, no one was arrested at a school board meeting. People were not threatening, um, you know, to, to kill anyone, you know, uh, not in the least. Um, you know, I never felt like my safety was threatened. You know, like a lot of people are experiencing, uh, you know, it, it's horrifying when, you know, everything's videoed these days, right? You could see everything through someone's cell phone uh, recording online. Um, but, you know, but it was still tough. You know, it was still a tough battle. Um, and uh, but we were lucky that, you know, at the end of the day, I think thanks really thanks to our leadership, thanks to our elected leaders and the school board and the staff. You know, we, we, we all persevered to 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 have the most transparent process possible, you know, and, and to focus on that. And, and I know as in our situation in 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 every other battle, it seems and every other disagreement um, folks who are opposed to changing and want to retain Confederate monuments and statues and names, they focus on process a lot and say, well, 
you know, the process doesn't support this, you can't do it. So it's, you know, when I, when I say the process was good, I don't want to be misquoted. I don't want anyone to interpret that, you know, it was flawed in any way. I, I think it was good. I think it was, uh, you need that. That promotes the transparency that we all need to be sure that, you know, agreements are not happening um, outside of the public space, right? That, that folks are being um, excluded or decisions are being made um, behind closed doors. You know. Yeah. And so a part of what I wanted to look at here was this process. Um, what do you think was the key thing that made this work after those two and a half long years? Um, what 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 made it happen? Was it people recognizing that this was the right thing to do or was it just a fatigue uh, that people stopped fighting it, or what do you think was the key factor in making this happen? Essentially, this this name change, and 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 the name change was changed from Jeb Stewart High School to Justice, and that's quite poetic uh, in its in, right. in its own in its own right. But what was the right. what was the thing that actually made this happen? Um, you know, it's. I don't know. I mean, frankly, I really don't know. When we talk about it, we talk about how, my God, this went on for so long. Um, it didn't have to go on for so long, right? The, the process in, in some ways just dragged out and dragged out and dragged out. We have to vote about the policy and then we have to vote about, uh, you know, uh, do we change the name at all of this particular high school, right? And then we have to vote on what could the name be? And then we have to, you know, and then, you know, school board members were pushing back. Um, and we're meeting with school board members. We're meeting with community members. Um, I mean, I think the you know the one thing we do live in a democracy. You know, we do we do have a voice, um, and and all of our voices can be heard. I think that's the one thing. You know, truly, I, I don't know if that's a non-answer, but um, it, it I can't point to one thing that made it work. I mean, maybe our our human consciousness kind of changing and evolving over time. Um, but these these fights have been happening forever. I, I mean, people were were protesting, you know, for for a long time before us, uh, and and before these name change protests um, started emerging more publicly. Um, it's not new. It's not new. It's just kind of what people are willing to accept, maybe, um, and uh, how how educated we are, <laughs> you know, how much we know about our history, how much we we can learn about our history. I learned so much in my, uh, in my experience, in my participation in this, that I never knew about uh, the Civil War, about Reconstruction. So I know I've rambled on a little bit, but I, I really can't point to one thing, JJ. I think it was, it was many, many different things all coming together at the right time, truly. I remember reading an article in the Washington Post from 2017, and this article was titled a debate over a school named for a Confederate Confederate general divides a community. And, you know, I remember that being a pretty big deal at the time. It still is a big deal. George Alber, an NAACP activist who was on the committee to, you were talking about earlier, yeah. um, you know, uh, you know, said that this two year plus ordeal was filled with rancor and discord um, he said he was quoted in this article saying we could have done better. This has been set up as such an adversarial proceeding. There is no healing, no coming together in the community. Mm -hmm. It's my understanding reading. And, uh, you know, I 
my condolences to you and to Mr. Albert's yeah. family, but I believe he passed away recently. But I'm he wondering, did. yes, so maybe you can talk about him a little bit, uh, but I'm wondering if you can tell us, did did that healing in his that he needed or wanted the coming together ever come before he passed away? I don't believe it did. Um, you know, I think uh, I don't. Um, sadly, uh, you know, George was um, such a terrific person, wonderful leader, such an inspiration to all of us. Um, and he did die just about a couple of weeks ago earlier, um, at the end of very end of August. Um, but so I'm going to quote George. This is was George's refrain. George's refrain always um, Confederate monuments school names and street names celebrate and perpetuate the values of the Confederacy, racism, white supremacy, and the culture of slavery. They have no place in our communities. Um, and George would always say this. He would always, you know, whenever we would get frustrated and, and he just to refocus us. Um, and, you know, sadly, that still exists. And, you know, I think we have healed in, in Fairfax, in our small community, everybody's, you know, accepts the new name of the school. There's, there's still some members, more quiet members of our community who, who um, refuse to donate to the, to the school. Uh, you know, the kids go around to raise money for the band and, uh, you know, come around as they do in most neighborhoods and, you know, refuse to support, refuse to give. That's up to them, 100%. You don't have to give if you don't want to, you don't have to support it. Um, but, you know, but you, you still see a lot of hate, sadly, I, I think for our whole country, it's going to take a long time. So, um, and I, I, go ahead. No, please finish. Well, no, I mean, I think that, you know, George at the time, you know, we were all still very raw right at the, you know, in 2017, right. Um, that's when the school board voted, you know, at, in July, in August of 2017, the new name was selected. Um, and, you know, to be, to be in effect at the beginning of the next year, right? Uh, and so it was not, you know, until the fall of 18 that we had the rededication ceremony. So it was long, it was arduous. Uh, we were right in the thick of a lot of hateful meetings, right on the tail end of this, um, you know, this ad hoc committee work um, through the entire winter and spring of 2017. That was the hateful part where we're, we're getting to know our neighbors, we're learning about each other, both those we agree with and those we disagree with. Um, and I think that, you know, George is much more experienced in this than, than I am. Mm -hmm. um, and I think felt that we, we could have, I think it comes down to the individuals. We could have as individuals approached it with, with more open hearts okay. well, uh, that's, to each other. That's where I want to go with this. As an mm -hmm. African-American who grew up in Virginia yep. and am very familiar with its racist history, but also familiar with the racist positions uh, that have essentially um, developed and have been laid out across this country throughout history. I also understand from talking to people who have those views, I'm talking about people who harbor what I call racist views, who are mm -hmm. very resistant to change names, statues, etc., because they feel that it, it is a threat to them. They feel that it is a threat to their heritage, and they feel uh, as though it's an attack on them. And I can see why the vitriol, I can understand the vitriol that many of them have approached, the changing the name of that high school and other things that have 
been changed in the United States uh, in the last year or so, and certainly going back to the to the to the justice name, the name change to justice at your school years ago. Um, I can see, I can understand that um, that those feelings. I do not accept them, but that's not. It doesn't matter whether I accept them or not, you know. But I right. do understand where they're coming from, and I'm wondering if you and your teammates got to that point. Um, we did not. I, I mean, we did not during the course of the our our um, our work. Uh, you know, for those those few years, it was it was so contentious. It really was. And I think the piece that was missing was that there, there was not a lot of listening happening. There was a lot of talking, but not a lot of listening. And I think from everybody's point of view, each of us always feels that, you know, we're right, <laughs> you know, and, um, and anyone we're arguing with, we just need to convince them and they need to see what we know. And then they will agree with us, right? They will change their opinion. Um, I don't know that we're going to change anybody's opinion necessarily, but there just wasn't a lot of listening. Let me, well, let me ask you this question. One of the things that I've discovered, um, and, and, and part of it has happened as a result of this, this program, this, this podcast is that listening can often be the best way to change somebody's mind. I mean, I don't know that, that that would resonate with you and your group because of what you were doing, but I'm wondering what you think of that. I completely agree. And I think that's why, you know, from George's perspective and, and how he was quoted in that article, you know, you know, that he he spoke so negatively, you know, about our experience at that time. It didn't have to be so negative. Um, it is up to the individual at the end of the day. Um, you know, uh, meaningful change happens incrementally. Right. And it starts between two people to listen to someone you disagree with. And then hopefully they'll listen to you, too. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, to really seek to understand, seek seek to understand, approach a conversation, not to not to change someone's mind, but to seek to understand them. And then you're going to be speaking differently, aren't you? When you truly understand from listening, you will explain yourself differently to that person, understanding their perspective more deeply, right? With greater nuance. Um, we, I, I think we all have very short memories, you know, uh, in terms of what's happened in this country, what's happened in our own lives, right? I talked before about, you know, I only remember, you only remember the positive. You don't remember the fights. You remember the positive and the happy memories. Um, but, but, and so we choose to sometimes. Um, and we, we, we ignore, you know, this big statue. Who is that on that giant horse, you know, or who is Jeb Stewart anyway? Um, we, we don't, we don't think about those things and, and, and collectively, but so let's say one person decides, you know what, uh, wait a minute, I've been looking into this. I've been reading the history. Have you read the articles of the Confederacy? Holy cow. Have you read these articles of, of secession? Do you understand what happened with, uh, you know, the compromise of 1877 ending reconstruction? Do you understand what happened with Jim Crow? All this stuff that we learned as a community that I learned. That, that helped me better understand what happened in this country. And, and, and so if, if I can learn, you know, we want to just promote that, that others can learn and learn from each other mm -hmm. um, and hear each other. Uh, and, but, but it's tough, JJ. Yeah. I think most people don't want to do that. What, how has this impacted the students at Justice? 
Um, you know, my kids are not at justice anymore, uh, but I do, you know, I lurk on, you know, Facebook and, and, and certainly have friends who have kids in the community. I think the kids are doing great. Uh, we, we still want to make sure that we are walking the walk in terms of the education piece of why the name was changed. That's part of the school's history, part of the community's history. Um, we've got three beautiful portraits um, in the school that were donated uh, to the school of the three individuals that uh, that are honored by the name um, of justice. Um, portraits of Barbara Rose Johns, of um, Justice Thurgood Marshall, and of uh, Colonel Luis Mendez, who was a community member um, and veteran. Uh, so, so that we continue to kind of monitor and focus on for the kids, but, you know, I think kids are super resilient. They move on. They, you know, we, you know, was paid for new, new uniforms and, you know, new logo and everything. And I think it's, it's, it's easy for them to, to quickly say, okay, now we're justice and we just kind of move forward. So I think they're doing well. You know, there are so many elements and angles of this we can talk about, you know, on, on the program here, but I want to ask you before we run out of time, I want to ask you, um, you know, there are other things that have taken place that I'm sure some people in your circle have been involved with. We've mentioned not just are are we talking about name changes, but there have been statues taken down and roads being renamed. And, um, you know, some of that is difficult for people as well. How is that playing with you and your group? Um, the group is still very, very active in that Fairfax County NAACP and Human Rights Commission and, um, and task forces to change names of roads um, and, uh, you know, and support others uh, who are trying to, to, you know, remove monuments, et cetera. Uh, you know, we're supporting as much as we can, working with folks throughout Virginia and communicating as much as, much as we're able when we're in touch with folks, right, to find out who people are. I remember reaching out to folks during our work to ask them questions and, and, and you know, learn from their experiences and help them benefit from our experiences. So still very active. Um, you know, there's uh, Jefferson Davis Highway, right, studying the name, changing the name of Route 1. Uh, in Virginia right now that's uh, that's going on that I know I'm not working directly on, but I know um, former colleagues are are working on folks uh, within the NAACP and, and human rights um, because it's, you know, it, it's 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 a universal right, you know, in terms of, you know, being consistent, um, you know, what what do we stand for as a community? Who do we want to honor? Who was Jefferson Davis? Right. You know, it becomes it becomes a, a piece of furniture in the room. You don't even think about it. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know what? Why are we naming? A, why, why is this? Why are schools named? Why are roads named? Why do we have monuments uh, to, to folks who, you know, who staged a, an insurrection and, and killed, you know, <laughs> killed their teachers from West Point? You know, I mean, they, they were out there. You know, I mean, this was not this is not just, a, you know, a page in a history book. This was real. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, you know. Truly, I mean, we all know the stories, brother against brother, you know, it kind of becomes this poetic kind of hazy, um, you know, history of, well, that happened a long time ago. But if you have to think about it in real life, these people graduated from military academies and they they then took up arms. Right. This series is a heart attack. I mean, that to me is that's just a distraction, you know, because Mm. this is this is not about that. 
you know, mm-hmm. for the lion's share of people. This isn't just a debate about history. This is about people of color. And Correct. this is the fact, and we haven't talked about this a lot, but the, the slavery, the Civil War, you know, uh, the slavery altered the courses, altered the courses of millions of people's lives, people of color and whites and people of other colors as well, not just blacks, but it altered the courses of uh, a lot of people's lives. And slavery was the central issue there in, for, for many of us. Yeah, I understand that there were the political disagreements and stuff. Sure. But the thing that really is interesting here is that the whole argument about, you know, history and heritage and all this stuff and, you know, what they did, you know, that's a distraction to me because the real issue here is what did they stand for? What did they do? Why did they do it? And what was the outcome of what they did? And there are people that are still families that are still suffering because of that. And I know people don't want to talk about that uh, quite often. And and certainly, you know, since the whole George Floyd situation took place, there are people who now are looking for a way to stop talking about it. But that's impossible. Yeah. That's impossible. So um, this this the, the question that I'd like to ask after saying all of that is, yeah. you know, how how has race impacted what's going on in Fairfax County? How has race impacted what's going on at Justice in that community there? And how has race impacted you? You know, I mean, it's um, it's the genesis of the, the students. um fight, you know, I mean, I hate to, I think that word fight, it sounds very negative, right? But it it was a fight. It's the genesis of the the students fight that they did not feel that that name was appropriate, as I said before, uh, because of who they are and who we are as a community, right? Um, Race is is a big deal in Fairfax County. Um, We are seven miles, you know, in, in our community, seven miles from DC, from the nation's capital. Um, and we have so many, so many refugees, so many immigrants in our community. Um, and so we are, we are not homogenous. Uh, and, and there is racism in our community. People are perceived differently because of how they look and the language they speak. Um, you know, it's to a certain degree. I mean, that, I think that's a universal folks fear anything that's different. Um, and they're suspicious of it. They're, they're afraid of it. It really does go back to memory. What do we remember about our own history? What do we remember about the experiences of Black people in this country, Central American people in this country, um, you know, coming, you know, being brought here against your will, right? Or, or coming here to seek, you know, to, to, to flee violence, depending on, on when your family arrived, right? And, and by what means. Um, and then what happened to you when you got here? What did, what did the infrastructure do uh, to, to support you or to, to actively not support you, right? In the state of Virginia, my adopted state, uh, what happened during massive resistance and shutting down the entire school system south of, uh, of Richmond, right after Brown v. Board, right? Generations of folks in central Virginia, you know, your, your family wealth, your education is impacted for generations as a result of that. Um, and folks are still feeling the impact of that in their families. Yes, absolutely. And that just happens to be where I grew up. 
So there you go. And that that's right. I read that you went to Hampton University. That's right. And and so and the I mean it's it is, I think it it's it's bound up in our history and it's bound up in the history we're taught. It's ironic, you know, that school names then it's really thumbing our nose, you know, collectively um, at progress we've made about at, you know, the then, you know, kind of not not yet, uh, you know, um, uh, instituted Voting Rights Act and Civil Rights Act, which came later after Brown v. Board, um, that, you know, we have to teach and understand our history. We have to really know what happened to us, something that happened to a black family uh, to to people who were brought here enslaved against their will happens to all of us. I think that's what people don't really recognize that, okay, your family has your own history. This is where you're from. This is where you grew up. That's lovely. But, you know, let's let's all talk about you know, what did J.J. Green's family experience and what did Debbie Ratliff's family experience? It's all different experiences. Right. And and we, we we have to seek to understand, seek to listen to each other and be respectful of that, yeah. not just say, OK, well, my history is the important one. No, there isn't one history. It's it's all of our collective history. Whatever happens to one of us really happens to all of us. And and, you know, you read that, you you know, you hear that. But I, I truly believe that. I mean, in, you know, however you define your community. Um, whether it's your family, your, you know, your county, your neighborhood, your school system, your state, your country, you have to take everybody's experience into account when you're looking at history and talking about our history. Um, if, if it's, it's being, you know, systems thinking, we call it at work, right? You have to think about the whole system. How is the whole system functioning? Um, yeah, we have Voting Rights Act, but then we've also got, you know, the Supreme Court, voted in 2013, it was um, Holder v. the, the county, uh, you know, and, and, and removing part of the Voting Rights Act, right? So just because we have made progress in terms of legislation and, and, and giving rights and, and recognizing we need to legislate these things, they're being undone, right? It's Shelby Counter v. Holder in 2013. That was the ruling from the Supreme Court. Um, and so that impacts all of us. Right. Um, if if some members of the community are don't have voting rights, then then we all don't. It impacts all of us at the end of the day. That's right. If one of us is not free, none of us is. That's true. So it's true. This has been a great conversation. It could certainly go on a lot longer. But uh, before we go, I want to ask you one final question. What do you think the lesson from this situation is for the rest of the country, the situation and changing the name of Jeb Stewart High School to justice. What do you think the overall lesson is for the entire community, for the entire country? I think the lesson is that we all really have the same goal. We all we all share more than we don't share. We all believe in the same, more the same than 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 not the same. Um, and focus on that. Listen to each other. The lesson is that we need to listen to each other and really hear each other and be patient and be respectful to each other. I think that's what's missing from public discourse. Uh, we turn the turn the station off, um, choose to not be friends with somebody who disagrees with us. We can't do that. We've got to listen to each other and we've got to really try to hear each other and, and learn from each other um, and incorporate 
what we don't know into what we do know, make it part of what we do know so to enrich us and make us smarter, right? Make us smarter and make us more, um, more aware of, um, of our communities and what our, what our neighbors have experienced because it's happening to all of us. Again, like you said, like we both agree, what happens to one of us happens to all of us. That's Debbie Ratliff. She's an educator. She's a mom. She's an activist. And she was a great podcast guest. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, JJ. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you. You're listening to Colors. I'm Bumia Kinesotu, and I am Black. I am Nigerian, and I am Yoruba. And I'm from the great old state of Rhode Island. One of the things coming into government that shocked me in terms of uh, sort of race and ethnicity was that, um, you know, the administrative staff, the HR staff, the IT support, the sort of um, support community primarily was black and brown women. Um, And everybody who did policy uh, or sort of the substantive work were, were white or white women. Um, and you would find, you know, folks here and there who were of color and doing the um, substantive work, uh, not that there weren't any at all, but what stood out to me the most was the number of secretaries, admin assistants, um, staff assistants, um, you know, IT analysts, HR analysts, payroll analysts who were who were black and brown. And that really disturbed me. And I was at the EPA uh, which is a fairly progressive institution, um, and and that and I love the EPA, love every single person who I've worked with there. Um, but that really bothered me um, that we weren't sitting at the table talking about, um, or not enough of us were sitting at the table talking about um, waste issues in communities of color or um, water issues in communities, poor communities of color. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. Coming up in our next episode, backlash against racial justice movements. I had a situation where a white woman reacted very negatively to a critique of of white women and the privilege that white women have and the, the whiteness that is often centered in white women's circles. Areva Martin, a black attorney and media expert, she's noticed it happening in her own personal circles. And I, I sense the her reaction was a sense of we're sick of being dumped on. We're sick of people telling us what we've done wrong. That's coming up in our next episode of Colors. That's it for this episode. We want to say thank you to some people for helping us on the show. Thanks to Joel Oxley, Mike Jakaitis, Hillary Howard. Thanks to Thetford Collins, Rick Massimo, Stephanie Gaines Bryant, Antonello Favro. We also want to thank Rose Varner Gaskins, Rosalind Whitaker Heck, and also Adisa Hargett Robinson, Fonda Mwange. And for the music, we want to thank Jesse Gallagher, Cosmic, and Off Shane. And of course, most of all, we want to thank you for listening. And I just want to remind you keep talking to each other, and just as importantly, keep listening to each other. You can subscribe to Colors on Apple, Spotify, Podcast One, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can find Colors on our own Podcast DC app. And remember, if you have any questions or comments or thoughts or guest ideas, send them to us. You can reach us at Colors 
at thecolorspodcast.com. That's colors at thecolorspodcast.com. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America.